to Bibby has the open shot. Kings Insider Podcast on CSNCalifornia.com. Introducing your host, Sacramento Kings Insider, James Ham. Welcome to the CSN Kings Insider Podcast. I am James Ham, live at Media Day 2016-17 for the Sacramento Kings. Joining me as always, Mr. Aaron Bruski of hoop-ball.com. I like it, man. AB, what's going on? You know, it's uh, chill. We're at the end of media day here. People are packing up. You know, as the great Chris Clark said, there's been, what, no... Uh, no nothing con- too no, eventful. Nothing. No fights, no nudity. <laughs> 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 no PR nightmares for one day for the Sacramento Kings. It, it, the, the tone is decidedly chill. And that, to me, is um, different than the last few years. So, um, I don't know. I'll take it. It's a, uh, it's a new building. You know, yeah. I think everybody's just sitting here in awe of the building on one level, and then we'll, I'm sure we'll get into this. The players are definitely. Um, I thought their tone was telling as well. Yeah, I think everyone is kind of in awe of the new practice facility, of the new building in general. It's so new; everything is new here. They just moved into the building. Training camp starts on Tuesday morning. The players are really, really excited. Uh, but also, I, I kind of felt like there are so many moving pieces that no one really knows what to expect. I mean, again, 11 new players, which is ridiculous, uh, and no big surprises. I mean, I thought they would at least bring in one or two guys for training camp invites, but no, they went with 18. Uh, we're going to see Ty Lawson, Lamar Patterson, um, Jordan Farmar, uh, Isaiah Cousins fight it out for that last that last ros- roster spot unless they make some other move. So, I, I mean, I think that this is pretty much what they're going into the season with. I don't know whether that makes you happy or sad Kings fans, but, I mean, I, I don't know. Everyone seemed pretty pretty upbeat. Well, you know, if we're going to talk point guards right off the bat, I, I mean, I'm sure we'll get to Darren Carlson, but the thing that struck me most uh, was when Dave Yeager basically said Ty is going to get first crack at things. That was how I read it. And then um, I did too. He did mention that Garrett Temple would come in and also play some point guard. So that to me is the fail safe option. But I think we're going to see Ty Lawson there in the first of all in the starting job. Um, you know, to open the season, it's a little bit of a surprise. Maybe that's a little guessing on my part, uh, just based on the tone of Dave, uh, probably Dave Yeager's voice. So uh, I thought that was very interesting because I didn't know that Ty Lawson had really risen to that level of certainty yet. So maybe they've seen him play. You know, yeah. maybe maybe they feel like. He's got something, you know, in the tank. And then uh, also listening to Ty talk about last year, you know, he basically said he'd completely lost his confidence. Yeah. And you don't hear that very often for an NBA player of his caliber uh, just come out and say that he lost his fastball. I was actually able to to get a one-on-one with Ty, and he said it's been really hurtful to see that everything written about him is either that he's lost his step, he's even read that to – two or three general managers and front office personnel have just thrown him under the bus about how, you know, how big of an issue he was. He's like, I've never had any issues with my teammates. No one's ever called me a bad teammate before. Um, You know, I've gotten some trouble, but I think those things are behind me. And, you know, he's like, it was, 
it wasn't even two years ago. It was a year ago. I was a really good player. People forget, like, it wasn't, like, three seasons ago, and I'm trying to return. He's like, last year was bad. The year before that, 15 and 10. I was a good ball player. And he's like, I don't think I've lost a step. I, I'm in great shape. I've been working my butt off. And I think we have to take him at face value. He seemed pretty honest. And I've done, you know, some digging around. And everyone says he's a really nice guy. He's very pleasant to be around. And, you know, he just kind of every once in a while you see the ugliness of sort of the dark side of him flare up that he brings into the locker room. Not the negativity or anything, but the fact that he has in the past he's had drinking problems and stuff like that. But overall, everyone's experience with him has been good. And I think he is the odds on favor to win the, the starting job coming out of camp until Collison is back. But I keep saying this. If Collison doesn't come in strong right off the bat, Lawson has started a ton of games in his career. Collison has come off the bench. He, he's done that both as a starter and as a bench player. He's got his own you know, issues he's going to have to deal with, fans booing him, fans protesting. I think you're going to see a lot of that uh, You know, whenever his suspension is over. And I even had one king tell me, I'm not going to say who, but they've heard that the minimum he'll get is 10 games, and they're hoping that it'll, it'll be the minimum. But I don't know that there was a league minimum for this. So I'm kind of surprised by yeah, that. Yeah, I, I think maybe somebody's got some intel because you've seen some people float out double-digit numbers with some degrees of certainty, not official reports. Um, you know, real quick, I thought it was interesting on Ty Lawson. He did end up calling George Carl to see how the Kings organization – was he did some background on on yeah, the kings interesting and, yeah and then he said that george recommended the kings he was about to sign in china right he said i was going to sign in china and then the kings followed by the pelicans called so he could have gone either way to either one of those teams and he thought that the opportunity was better here same thing anthony tolliver said he thought the opportunity for him to play was better here plus the kings like delivered a giant dump truck Pile full of, money. of cash onto his front lawn <laughs> Um, uh, overall, though, I think the sense is that everything is focused on getting DeMarcus Cousins as much support as possible. That's what I got from Tolliver. That's what I got from Temple, from Matt Barnes. Aaron all Aflalo. of these, Aaron Aflalo. I spoke to Aaron Aflalo. All of them keyed in on that specific thing. We want to build a culture where DeMarcus Cousins feels like he's supported 100%. I guess that's the King's modus operandi. They're going to fill this room with with veterans that can play you know maybe 20 maybe 30 minutes a night depends on the guy but definitely build a culture that he can that that's sustainable for cousins yeah and i noticed that they've taken efforts to almost not minimize his role as the the lead dog or the main guy number one whatever but there's a lot of talk about team and no one player being kind of above the rest and not in the sense that a lot of people might hear that and think but just from the way that they plan this, I don't think that even DeMarcus is looking at himself as, I have to go lead this team. I think that they're bringing in individual, um, you know, individuals that will lead the team individually. He's not above them in that sense. So that's one thing I took away from it. And then the other thing was Darren Carlson. You know, a lot of, of athletes in this situation might try to shy away from the media. And I thought he did himself a lot of favors today coming out and just being very straightforward with everybody and, um, you know, saying he screwed up. And as a man, he needs to take responsibility. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the kind of thing, you know, if, if the league is sitting here kind of waiting and watching to see how his first hit with the media, how is his first hit interaction with 
everybody here in the building. How's how's he doing in general? I think they're going to see uh, somebody that at a minimum is taking it very seriously, uh, what has happened this last summer. So I think that'll work in his favor. But, yeah, when you hear those rumors of double-digit games, then, um, you know, it's something you pay attention to if you're trying to prognosticate the Kings. Yeah, I don't know. Anyone can actually prognosticate this team and come up with a true number. I think there's so many variables, and all those those variables are all still about to kick in. The Collison situation is one variable that can very much skew the way that this season can start. I think the Rudy Gay situation is another situation that will skew how this season goes at the midway point. And uh, talking to Rudy Gay, he he actually said that he had shockwave and uh, platelet-rich plasma treatment on his Achilles. He says he feels like he's in great shape, best shape of his life. He said he was just very honest and frank with it. He said, I've told the team that I'm opting, opting out at the season's end, and that's it. And that doesn't mean I'm not coming back to Sacramento, but I want to win, and I want to win a championship. I want to at least play for championships. And, you know, he's getting up there. He's 29 going on 30, and it's one of those those situations where he, he really thinks that his career is, is nearing its precipice and, you know, heading towards the, the downside, and he wants to play for wins, and he's hoping that this team can win, but... I, I'm not sure that anyone can put a, a flat-out number on how many teams, how many games this team will win, and he wants a little more assurance, and that means he wants to go to a winner. Most winners don't want to give up a bunch of their young players, and you know we'll have to see what happens with him. But I think he's being pretty honest with the team. Uh, he wants a defined role going into the season, like everyone else does, but he also understands that you know this season is going to be a season in flux where there are no expectations. The expectations are that this arena is beautiful and amazing and it will override most of anything unless the wheels really come off and the negativity starts to bury this franchise. Yeah, I don't know if the building the expectations around the arena is necessarily good for basketball win totals or anything like that, but of I do think um, <laughs> that what I saw out of Rudy that was surprising today is he seems like, you know, if you read those stories that were coming out about a week ago, that he had no chance he would stay in Sacramento. And I think we saw a degree of ambivalence where he actually, because he answers so thoughtfully every time he answers. He's so low-key. He's chill. And yeah. like when, <laughs> when you asked him, I forget who asked him, kind of like, would he consider staying? He really, you could see the wheels turning. And he's like, well, you know, if this, 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 and this in his head, you know, so I think that if they have a good positive season, I don't know that it would be out of the question that he sticks around, but I also don't think that he's really a great fit long-term for his stage in his career. He wants to be with a winner. And so, um, you know, to the point that somebody made about getting the ball in the right spots, uh, I think that it's in both parties' best interest that he does get the ball in the right spots, both for his trade value and the fact that the Kings need his type of scoring. So it will be one of those situations where both parties can benefit if he does well. I think one of the bigger issues I see, though, is that if you build your team partially around Rudy Gay and his isolation game, then what do you do if you've got to deal him? Because Omri Caspi, Matt Barnes, you know, uh, Garrett Temple, they can all play the three. But they aren't that type of player. They're a very different group of player. They all have a very individual style. And I just kind of look at that as an issue. Like, if you build your team around you know, DeMarcus Cousins and then an isolation player like Rudy Gay, what do you do when you cut him out of the middle of it and you've got 
you have to readjust the way that you play the game mid-season, and I'll, that's tough. I'll be uh, devil's advocate. I'll say that Aaron Aflalo could fit into uh, Rudy Gay type role. That's interesting. And I actually looking at him, I think he's more of a small forward. Just looking at him today, you know, he's he's definitely thickened out. Uh, I don't think his lateral quickness is where it once was. And for a three, I think his range is just fine. So um, I, I, I would probably rely on a flaw. hope you get something back. But you're absolutely right. I mean, it speaks to the issues with this team and their scoring that they would rely on Rudy Gay so much in the first place. And two, if you move him out of the picture, now you've got to find a way to uh, fill the vacuum. Yeah, and this team is is really – they've got a lot of work to do in training camp. I think that's another thing that we've seen. A um, couple of pleasant notes. I'll, I'll say this. Scal LaBCA, who is just, again, a pleasure to talk to. You guys are going to love him. Um, he has gained 20 pounds of muscle. He looks great. Uh, the same with Willie Cauley-Stein. Uh, I talked to both of those guys individually, and I actually talked to the nutritionist. And they, he said, you know, they both add muscle relatively quick, especially when you have them eating right. But they also lose it very quick because their bodies run, their metabolisms run so high. So it's going to be a battle to keep those guys in that kind of shape. I talked to Pavianis, uh, and he is down 20 pounds. I was going to say he looked very thin. And then he's building back up from that 20-pound loss. So that's a good thing for the Kings as well. Um, he's going to have to – he's work in progress. That's what I'm hearing behind the scenes. So we're going to have to wait and see how that works for him. Um, but losing weight, gaining weight, some of these kings are in flux. They're young guys. A lot of them, they're, they're trying to learn what it is to be a professional and to really get their body into the right, the right shape to last 82 games, which is brutal. I mean, you got to remember these guys are a lot of them seven feet tall. Uh, a keeping weight on a stick figure like Scalabissier is going to be a challenge, although I don't Sky. think he's going to play a ton. I, I don't think he's going to play a ton, but he didn't look that skinny. He and looked buff. Yeah, I was going to say, I think he took the whole physicality thing a little personally. Mm -hmm. That was the knock on him coming out of college. And so, um, man, I mean, he's like a, almost a true seven-footer. I also thought uh, Costa Kufis, a, another true seven-footer, he looked incredible. He's down to like 4% body fat. I, I want to say this. So uh, Rudy Gay uh, said to Jason Jones, he said, hey, man, you've thinned out. Are you on the paleo diet? <laughs> 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 and I'm, I think that teams have gotten smart about this, and they understand the impact of sugar and carbohydrates on people's bodies. You're just seeing it across the league. People can get thinner faster now. Yeah. And um, I just know from reading and fitness stuff and the way that that's been handled throughout the league that I just think that they've figured that one aspect of it out. Yeah. Um, I definitely think most of the Kings look like they're in great shape. Even the the chef said, even a guy like Aaron Aflalo and Garrett Temple, you know, these guys are hitting 30, and, and you have to keep them in great shape and keep their bodies fine-tuned, and that's what he's in charge of. And I think as of right now, it's a good thing. They're in a good place heading into camp, but – so are 29 other teams. They're in good shape going into camp, except for those teams that have already suffered a catastrophic injury, which there are a couple of those. But, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting. We'll know more when training camp opens on Tuesday morning about where this team is going, what direction they're going. But I do know this. They're starting with a first defensive practice, and that's the first defensive practice a lot of these players have had in a couple of years since Michael Malone left, and they're excited about it. Yeah, the interesting thing is that one of the Kings players actually mentioned that same thing. I won't even use their name because I don't know if it was off the record or on the record, so I just won't even say it. But, yeah, this is their first defensive practice. 
and that's big. I mean, you know, you gotta you gotta play defense in this league. I think this team's hungry to play defense. You heard it was the first word under you know out, almost out of everybody's mouth was to play defense. So that should make Kings fans pretty happy. Yeah, you know, uh, talking to Willie Cauley Stein, he he was very clear that he doesn't feel like. You know, there's a bit of a transition here for him because he was so used to the Kentucky system. He came to the Kings where they ran basically the same system, and he was called a rim runner. That's what he did. He ran from one end of the court to the other trying to beat the defense down and drag the defense down into the post and then sort of free up the perimeter. And uh, then when they got to Summer League, all of a sudden, he was asked to do a completely different thing. I also found it really intriguing. He said that he had been working with Peja on his shot for weeks right. leading up to Summer League. And he was hoping to like put on this display. And then I, I think he realized once he got there that uh, having DeMarcus Cousins standing in the middle of the paint and versus having, I don't know, like anyone else in the league but Papi Giannis or even you know Scal – it's a huge transition. You don't just get wide open jumpers when, when Papianis is roaming the paint. I think there's going to be some moments with Willie that just really defy convention because I mean, he's sitting here watching him talk about that experience. He was he was replaying it in his head and he was talking about it and he's talking about summer league, of course. And he totally overthought everything. In Summer yeah. League. You could uh-huh. see it. He admitted it. And I think he finally got an opportunity to be the man offensively. And it was something that was so against his character, so against his experience, and so against everything he had done most recently, which was last year. Well, even Kentucky. It was so against anything he was allowed I, I to do I think he just short-circuited. Yeah, and, and then he said he spent the last couple of months thinking about it and working on it and sort of like, this is what I have to do. Now I understand what my – my role, my season is going to look like. I think the takeaway I'd have there is I'm just putting zero stock into what I saw there because he's not going to be put in that position in the NBA or this upcoming season. And um, I don't think that um, he'll have to worry about overthinking his role as the number one offensive threat for this ball club. I think the one problem that you have is that DeMarcus Cousins typically misses 10 to 15 games a year, and there's going to be times where Willie Cauley-Stein is going to be asked to do more and you want him to feel comfortable stepping up and doing more. They, there's no team in the league that has someone else that they can just insert in, like a DeMarcus Cousins, to pull off the bench, and all of a sudden he can go off for you know 30 points a night. They just don't have that skill level in the post anymore. There's not a bunch of those guys floating around. I mean, even if you had a guy like Maurice Spites who could come in and like sort of emulate what Cousins does, but in short bursts, that would be one thing. But the Kings don't even have that style of player. Costa Kupas is a defensive-minded rebounder. He's not a guy who is ever going to be relied on to score major points. He might be able to get you, you know, 15 points in a night. He might be able to get you 14 rebounds in a night as a starting center. But the Kings, and just like everyone else in the league, they just don't have someone else that can step in. So Willie's got to learn that, there are things that are going to happen in your career, and you have to sort of molt. You, you got to roll with the punches and figure it out. And it can't just be ah, Cousins isn't here, so I can have eight bad games in a row. That doesn't work either. You're going to find yourself on the bench, and Anthony Tolliver is going to end up playing a whole lot more, and Omri Caspi is going to end up playing a whole lot more at the four. That is interesting. That's something that Jaeger mentioned. He thought they were heavy at the four. And the, the Memphis guys have already weighed in on that on Twitter. He says that quite a bit. Really? That's that's a, a Jaegerism. That they're heavy at the four? Yeah. 
Uh, maybe it's a rap lyric we just don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's just – I think <laughs> Jaeger also struck me as interesting in this, uh, you know, media day. He's he's very forward with the media. And, um, you know, he, he's yeah. got a little edge to him and uh, not shy about his opinions. And, and he will – he will. I think he got into a couple uh, media members with some of, of their questions, letting them know that they weren't good questions. Yeah, he a, did. A little bit of pop in him. He did. He uh, he did not like the the question about well, what are you going to do with the four? Because then it was just like you know. And I got to be honest, I I don't know that that was. Uh, I know who asked that question. He doesn't usually leave something that open ended, where it can you can get smacked down by a coach because training camp starts tomorrow. He has a whole lot of fours to put next to Demarcus Cousins. He does not know what he's going to do with the four. Nor should he, really. He shouldn't. I mean, he shouldn't. And even if he did, he shouldn't tell anyone now because that would just, you know, sort of in a box. pull away. Uh, it, it not only does it pin him in the box, but it also tells his players what he intends to do, which might make someone not fight as hard for a spot. So you want to come into camp with as many open spots as possible. I think what we know now is Aflalo is starting at the two, Rudy Gay is starting at the three, and DeMarcus Cousins is starting at the four. And Rudy Gay may not even start at the three because he may not even be on this team in, in three weeks. And so I, I think having variables, having guys that are getting into it and fighting for everything is a good thing. Uh, I think the one thing that they're trying to work on with you know guys like Papa Giannis and, and Scowl, both of which are, are kind of like they have to be more – they have to have more personality. They have to push harder. They have to you know show disappointment or – or show that excitement when things are, are going one way or another and, and just get more out of them. So I think that's something that, you know, we're going to see as training camp goes on. It's good for these guys to get out there and compete and really, you know, try to earn minutes. And, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's good. It's re- real good for Scal that he does not have pressure to play right away and he can continue to learn, um, you know, from outside of the rotation because when he gets his moment, he is going to actually be a pretty good threat, you know, for the Kings. Um, so that's good there. Circling back on Willie, I, I think that we, he showed just enough last year towards the end of the year that he can get out there, do a little bit of a – not a pick and pop, but just, you know, he can pop out for a little jumper. He can handle the ball. He can pass a little bit. He can run to the right spot on the floor. That, to me, showed me enough that he can exist within – the Kings offense and if they do need to ask him to step out and hit a jumper every once in a while if DeMarcus was to be hurt or they just simply needed it for whatever reason I think he showed enough to where he's not dead in the water and everybody considered him dead in the water when he came into the league this is a dunker and a defensive guy and that's about it yeah Tyson Chandler that's what they thought yep Tyson Chandler I, I, I think he'll be just fine and I got him projected for quite a few minutes at least 25 if not 30 this year yeah and um you know as far as Jaeger and his approach, uh, I, I just I, <laughs> the whole thing this this media uh, day this off season is that everybody is it's, it's like a wait and see moment, and with Jaeger he's just coming in here guns blazing. This is the way he does it. It's it's Mike Mo- Michael Malonish, but they're obviously two very different people. Yeah, I'll put it like that, and I think that that's the way he has to approach things with Demarcus Cousins is. This is the way we do stuff. And so far, it seems like the team has kind of coalesced around this. You know, this is the way we do stuff, and it's not all about DeMarcus Cousins. And that, to me, 
if there's a way you can approach this situation, that's how I personally would approach it. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting. Cousins mentioned when asked about Jaeger and a lot, he said, I'm going to play a lot of high post. He said, I've, I've been watching film. I'm going to play a lot of high post, and it's not going to be as many three-point shots. I'm not always going to be in the post, in the low post, but you know, between the high and the low post, he's going to play a lot down there. Uh, Cousins, you know, I, if we mentioned, Cousins hates Media Day. Uh, <laughs> he absolutely hates Media Day, just so everyone knows. It's it's his least favorite you day know what? of the year. They could make a happened. show of, of him just interacting during Media Day. Yeah, it's he he walks around like angry to Marcus the whole time. But, but then, then he'll crack he, a smile. Yeah, he can't he, he can't stay angry. Yeah, the yeah. entire time. When we got him in in the scrum, though, I thought he was good. I thought he was really he was. Uh, he started out a little rough, but he, he kind of got his flow. Uh, he really got his, his juices flowing talking about um, sort of the, the social injustice that's going on in America and his stance where he stepped up in Mobile, Alabama and actually you know worked with the police and with uh, civic leaders to try to build some sort of trust and camaraderie between two opposing sides or two sides that shouldn't be opposing. Um, but he also, there was this like, incredible moment where Chris Clark, the media director, forced him to take his gold medal and show us. And it was like DeMarcus Cousins holding up and holding up his medal like really awkwardly, like like uh, my my nine year old won a, a soccer tournament this weekend and they got this giant trophy and all the kids are kissing it. And then they each got personal medals. And, you know, my uh, nine year old looked much more comfortable wearing his medal than DeMarcus did. But then when he was done holding it up, he had it in his hand, and he couldn't help but just stare down at it. And it was such a defining DeMarcus moment for me because it's so much hard work and energy and, and all of this strife that he's had to deal with his entire career to have something really positive, amazingly positive happen for him and to have him you know, be such a huge part of Team USA. Uh, it was just a good moment to see it. And then he actually handed me his medal. I got to hold an Olympic gold medal and it weighs like two pounds i'm like i wanted to just like run out with it and go sell it like instantly <laughs> I mean, that was those things must be worth yeah, uh, uh, quite a bit i don't even uh, I, they're probably worth more it, not in their weight in gold but oh just yeah because they're gold medals and yeah man you could just ran out and hawk that on the street i'm sure there's a pawn shop right around the corner yeah he posed for pictures with it i thought, I thought I, that's, all of yeah, that the, was the, really the, cool with Marcus, you almost wonder if he comes into this dreading it, but then figures out maybe two to five minutes in the through it that it's not that bad. Because at the end of it, he was joking with everybody. He was yeah, taking pictures yeah. with Gary Gerald, you know, with the gold medal, and it was. Um, I, I think he once he lowers his guard, you know, he's he's pretty good. Yeah, I had asked him. I said, "Do you like put it on like?" Like drive to Taco Bell, <laughs> like just like go to Taco Bell wearing your gold medal. Like what's up? Like a the number one with the the Diet Pepsi. You know, I, the <laughs> only reason I don't think he is because, like every other Kings player, he came in thin and in shape. Yeah. And and with, you know, Papa Giannis, I don't want to, you know, cut out of here before we mention that. I was pretty shocked at how thin he is. Yeah. And uh, he said he lost 20 pounds. I mean, I, and I, I snapped a picture, took it, and people kind of made fun of it. Like, yeah, right, he still looks, you know, overweight or whatever have you. But I, I think at that size, he can – actually address the the uh, lateral quickness issues that he showed during summer league where I'm thinking okay you got no shot yeah now I look at him and I go okay yeah you got a long way to go but 
I'm not going to just summarily rule you out for being on the floor at some point this season. Yeah, I like that he was sitting in one of the photo booths where they, they you know, a cameraman for uh, Sack B or USA Today was sitting there taking photos of him, and they gave him a white piece of paper to hold up so he had his nameplate, basically, and it says George uh, Papianis, and he looks at him and is like, George? He's like, that's not my name. And it's like, and they're laughing. They're like, "We've Americanized you." And he's just like, "What? This isn't cool. <laughs> like, wait, that's not my name." Uh, so anyway, he's got some personality. Is going to take him a little while to really get that to come out, and for him to be, I don't know. He's got to. He's got to be a, a fighter, a, a force, a guy. Like he needs to watch get nasty out there and like throw Vitaly some, throw some weight around. Like that's yeah. what he needs to go watch some some enforcer you know, Bill Lambeer type stuff and say, this is what I need to be at the NBA level. Well, it'll endear him to the fans and, you know, take a lot of pressure off of upstairs. You know, if he can come in and, and be a, a tough guy off the bench yeah. in his first year. I don't think everybody, anybody's expecting a whole lot more than that um, in his first year, which may or may not justify the high selection. But uh, I I don't know. It's I thought the overall tone was a very subdued team and a very subdued scene here and I don't know if it's the acoustics or just the newness of everything or if everybody, like we had said, was maybe a little tired mm-hmm. getting this all ready for this season. Um, I, I, it's, it's different. They're under-promising this year. And, and the tone amongst Kings fans is that this team is going to win 20 games, 25 games, 30 games. You I don't see get this. that at all. I'm not with you. I'm I sorry, I don't care what everybody else thinks. I run my own numbers and I look at my own stuff and, you know. Yeah, we we talked about this the other day and I said 40-41, I think. I think I'm ready to drop that number to 38 because I already know that the Rudy Gay situation has turned on its head and it's become more of an issue. So one of those variables that we talked about has already hit and it's already right. become a distraction. And I, I'm hoping that going into camp that that's not just all everyone is is focused on is the Rudy Gay situation. Because I think this team does have a chance to do some things. I mean, are they going to be world beaters? No. But uh, you know what? If DeMarcus Cousins is the best big man in the game and he plays that way and he plays unselfish, and even Jaeger said this, he needs to be able to take what he go- how good he is and then he needs to make his teammates better as well. And if he can figure out a way to make his teammates, uh, every single one of them, one notch better than they were before, then we're on to something. If he can get them up to two notches better than they were before, then we're really on to something. And then if he can build on that himself and and be as good as he was last year statistically, but maybe more efficient, and if he can be a little bit better rebounder and his defensive prowess is improved from his t- Team USA experience, then I actually think that we see something that, that's moving forward and building and building, and it might be something that you know, we really see develop this year. I won't be dropping below 40, and that's going to put me at the probably highest position that you see out there in the media. Um, but, yeah, I'll be edging downwards, I think, because of the Collison, if it is double digits on the suspension side, and also if the Rudy Gay thing really has just – you know, if it has that potential to, to be a distraction early in the year, though, I'll say if there's a person that's built to not make it a distraction, it's Rudy Gay. It is Rudy Gay. I, yeah, he's I mean, so there wasn't a lot of tension in this room. <laughs> I'll say that. It was pretty low key. Everybody was even keel. He put a hood on. I thought that that was interesting. He put a hood on and kind of pulled it 
tie it over his head. And, and to but me, he was playing with Kamani at the same time. He I was mean, kind of hiding out. I, I thought I thought it was pretty interesting. That well, he and he did go out. last. He did wait everybody out. He did wait everybody out. You know, fewer media members. You know, the people who come here for the flash and the the glamour of media day, <laughs> they had long left. You know, so uh, you're right. It, it, it had its. There's yeah. one player I want to bring up before we run out of time here, uh, Matt Barnes. And this is a guy that DeMarcus Cousins loves. loves. And this is a, also a guy that's a lightning rod for criticism in Sacramento. But I kind of think that he might be that X factor for this team in getting DeMarcus Cousins to smooth out rough edges on running back on defense, dealing with officials, stuff of that, and getting on teammates the right way. I think he could be that uh, middleman if you will, and, yeah. and his experience in the league is, is somebody that DeMarcus trusts. And and with Matt having a, a reputation for being a good teammate, great teammate even, and even having that bridge with Dave Yeager, that's a little X factor there that'll go underneath the radar. And so, yeah, I'm not going to be I, – I, Vegas makes a living off of betting against the public. And I'm – you know, last year I was very high on my win total, and I just didn't foresee that experiment being allowed to play out beyond game 10. Hmm. Um, the other guy that I will mention, we had not got our hands on Malachi Richardson before. Oh, yeah. He had, uh, because He's the trade big. didn't go through, he wasn't at the introductory press conference, and he is a a good-sized dude. Um, six his, foot ten with that hair. He he might be eight foot three with his hair. <laughs> he's he's going for like a super tall hair look. Um, not Iman Shumpert type. Nerlens Noel maybe, but it's it's not it's not well kept. It's, it, it's well, all over the place. He has it's it's well kept in its own way. I think he has his own style with it. Um, he maybe Alan Crab, you know, maybe something like what we've seen there. It's. Uh, he's got at least that first rookie check hasn't cut in yet. <laughs> like a six inch like height, uh, just in hair. Uh, very nice kid, and I'm hearing nothing but good things behind the scenes about him as as far as personality, what he's like to be around, and uh, it, so he's got an opportunity to play it a little bit, but it's really going to depend on Ben McLemore. And I I spoke to Ben McLemore. His confidence is high. He's tried to get away from all the distractions. He's worked in, worked really hard on his overall game, um, really focused, really strong. He says he's he's not only gained a little bit of weight, but also uh, gotten a lot stronger overall. So I'm excited to to see if he's got something here. I know Jason Jones had had spoken to him, and and they're saying that the coaching staff likes what they see from Acklemore so far. And it may he may actually. I don't still see submit why us. you would sell him at this point. I mean, you're not going to get a tremendous amount. In return, no, he's and not even worth a. He might be worth a late first round pick to somebody. Yeah, if so J.R. Smith decides he doesn't want to play, and Cleveland has a late first round pick that they could deal for, I could see that being some sort of potential. And Milwaukee's just sitting out there lingering as this potential trade partner for the Kings with both Rudy Gay. Well, they did get Beasley and, and Ben McLemore, but Beasley can't play more than twenty minutes a game. Like yeah. he hasn't done that in the last five years of his career, and he can't. I don't think. It just depends on what they want to do with those young guys. I don't think that they can make the playoffs. Do they develop Giannis and Tidakumpo with uh, Michael Beasley next door? Or do they try to bring in somebody like a Rudier? But at their, at their shooting guard position, they're seriously looking at Malcolm Brogdon, who is a promising number 36 pick that has great base 
NBA skills, not great athleticism. And, I mean, that's what they're looking at to fill a lot of minutes there at shooting guard. That's rough. That's rough. So maybe Ben Macklemore would be a good fit there too. But they don't seem like they're jumping at it. And, uh, I mean, that's kind of the way the NBA rolls. One injury can kind of swing a situation. I kind of think a lot of these teams that need to trade a guy are hoping that there's an injury that makes the market better for them. Ricky Rubio, you know, if a point guard on a playoff team goes down, you mm-hmm. know, Minnesota can then get a much better deal than if they bring Rudy Gay in right now, who kind of fits their roster, but not really. Yeah. Uh, I think we're we're still in for change. I think more change is coming. I know that they like they like Patterson, and they like to keep him around. Uh, I know that Jordan Farmar has really turned uh, a lot of heads and may, uh, his personality, how nice he is, how cordial, and, and how well he fits right in. Um, so he's a guy who, who becomes an option. So I, I wouldn't be shocked if I saw a two-for-one trade by the Kings or they dump uh, one or two of these veterans and clear up some space and, and do something different. I, I wouldn't be shocked at all. Um, again, Rudy Gay is a guy who, who could be moved. Uh, ben McLemore goes to Kufas. It's the same three guys we've talked about all year. I think it's really incredible to see the team has 11 new faces. So we're talking about seven remaining players because there's 18 on the roster right now. And you can carry 18 up until the end of training camp. Then you got to cut down to 15 and only 13 play on, on a nightly basis. But uh, seven remaining players, three of which were shopped heavily all offseason and could either be traded or make it through the year. But, you know, still, that would mean that four remaining players, one of which is going to miss substantial time due to suspension, that's all that's left. I mean, that's nuts. You're talking about Caspi, Cousins, uh, Collison, and who, who's the other? Oh, Collie Stein, who was a rookie last year. The, the other three are being shopped. So just just an interesting note on where this team is heading and where it's been. So just keep an eye. This team is going to need time to develop, to, to work together, to blend together, just because – they have so many new pieces. I will say this, though, as uh, maybe my final thought is... Final, final thought. Final, final thought is that, um, you know, there was a big video display last year. Of, you know, everybody wrote us off, and, you know, we think we're going to the playoffs, and that kind of a vibe around the team that this was the year. And I think it's actually going to work in their favor this year that everybody is downplaying expectations, including Dave Yeager. And the pressure just does not – I know that there might be pressure from the top, and everybody will always talk about that to make the playoffs. But I think on the ground level, you don't see a team that's reaching, like, we've got to do this this year. I think they want to take that step forward. I think they want to have a good year. But I don't think anybody's pressing or, or the expectations are in the wrong place. And I do think that that's going to serve them well. I think so, too. So – a uh, very, very fun media day, quiet, low-key. Uh, everyone looked good. Everyone looked healthy. They all should look good. They all should look healthy. Um, Darren Collison did speak on most of his stuff, which was interesting. Uh, Rudy Gay did speak on his request to be traded uh, or his decision to opt out. Uh, so that was interesting. DeMarcus Cousins, gold medal. Uh, all th- four rookies in the house. Uh, definitely a new beginning for the Sacramento Kings. Uh, we will be back later this week. We're, this is just part one of the this week's podcast. Uh, we'll get a guest by the end of the week, 
And uh, now the basketball season is in full swing. We will be back on Friday mornings doing our standard podcast. I know some of you are angry with us. I've, I actually see the torches outside my window. I, I feel the heat. Um, so, but we'll, we'll be a lot more regular going forward, and hopefully, uh, hopefully, we'll bring more of you listeners in. So, for Aaron Bruski. I am James Ham. Thank you for tuning in to the CSN Kings Insider Podcast. We'll see you later this week. If you're looking for a credit card that fits your lifestyle, look no further. U.S. Bank has credit cards that make every day rewarding, no matter what you're into. Feeling hungry? Check out the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. And get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. That'll keep your wallet and your mouth full. Big spender? The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card has a low intro APR for large purchases or balance transfers. And you call the shots with the U.S. Bank Cash Plus Visa Signature Card. Choose two categories each quarter. Earn 5% back on your first $2,000 of eligible purchases for those categories. So don't just get a credit card. Get the right card to make every day more rewarding. Cashback, merchandise, travel rewards, and low intro APRs are all waiting. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license of Visa USA, Inc., and the cards are available to the United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC.